Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Drive for Show DFS for Doe here on Roto Grinders. Happy to be back with you, as always, talking about another golf tournament this week. And uh, we've actually got the last regular season event before the FedEx Cup playoffs this week. A little bit of a different format with the playoffs this year, with only the top 70 golfers making it in to the first playoff event. So we can talk about that a little bit more here as we get into the show recap the 3M Open from last week, and look ahead uh, to the Wyndham Championship. I am Justin Van Zuden, STL Cardinals 84, and as usual, to help me break it all down is Mr. Notorious Derek Farnsworth. Uh, Noto, how was your weekend, and what's up? Yeah, what's going on? Good to be back. Uh, we could have been a lot better. Uh, I think it's the first time ever I didn't have a single sweat betting-wise or DFS-wise uh, on Saturday morning. So, uh, yeah, it was pretty ugly. You know, a lot of uh, chalk bombs out there. I think the 6-6 six of six was one of the lowest we've ever seen. And, uh, yeah, out of bets on a lot of those guys as well. So, I uh, didn't see the Lee Hodges winning by seven uh, coming, but uh, hopefully somebody out there did. And... It's not unique for this tournament. I think if you look back the last three years, the six to six percentage has been three percent or less every year. I'm not sure if it's because of, you know, the water hazards on this course, the strength of the field, the time of the year. I don't know what it is uh, or three years being a small sample. Um, But uh, just worth noting that uh, this tournament tends to be a little bit unpredictable. Uh, and you know, the, so Lee Hodges won by seven. Um, but it it wasn't, I mean, it was a little closer than that. And I want to get your perspective on this because there were a lot of talking heads, a lot of DFS guys, sports betting guys talking on Twitter yesterday, uh, about, uh, what JT Poston did on number 18. And I'm curious as to your take on this, but, uh, in case you're not 100% familiar with what happened or for those who are watching, uh, that uh, or listening that aren't 100% familiar with what happened. Uh, Lee Hodges had a uh, three-stroke lead over JT Poston headed into the final hole. 
and they were both in the final group. So hosting and in the, the final hole of TPC Twin Cities is a reachable par five, but you have to go over water. Um, you know, you got to be really aggressive if you're going forward and two. So what Poston did was he said, okay, I'm three shots back. I need to make an eagle and hope that uh, Hodges hits it in the water or, you know, misses a short putt or something and makes a bogey. And if that happens, we're in a playoff. And Poston just missed the water with his drive. So his drive was not in the fairway, making it a very difficult uh, approach to get it over the water and onto the green if you're going forward in two. Uh, well, he tried anyway, and the, it almost made it over the on, uh, over the water onto the green, but it hit a rock and then carry him back into the water. So he had to drop uh, basically back where he had hit his second shot, and then he laid up, uh, ended up getting close to the green, and then missed a putt uh, five-footer as well, uh, where at the end of the shenanigans there on 18, Poston made an eight and ended up, instead of a solo second, ended up in a three-way tie for second, which cost him somewhere in the neighborhood of $270,000. And so everybody was saying, you know, he should have just played for solo second, Uh, shouldn't have, you know, he needed an eagle, and then the other guy to bogey, barely missed the water with his drive, shouldn't have done that. Uh, And then Poston defended himself on Twitter and said, I'd make that decision 10 out of 10 times. I'm not playing to finish second. I'm playing to win the tournament. Uh, and so, you know, he stood by his decision to, uh, to basically go for it, even though he was, you know, in a, a pretty underdog position there needing to make up three strokes on one hole. So your take on that. Yeah. I love the attitude, love the aggressiveness. Um, I think it's a fine decision. You know, the guys behind him were three strokes back, so he needed an eight or worse to drop into a tie for second or worse. And, uh, you mentioned, you know, it was a tough shot. He almost got it over the water. And then after that, he made the right decision to lay up on his next shot. He knew he wasn't going to catch Hodges, so he laid up. The problem wasn't going for it in two. The problem was it took four shots from 100 yards in the middle of the fairway. Uh, he had a bad you know, wedge in there, hit a mediocre chip, and then missed a five-footer. You, he would have never thought he'd score you know, four, four strokes from 100 yards out in the middle of the fairway. So I think he made the right decision. I like the aggressiveness. Um, I think that's going to, you know, help him further down the road when he's in that same situation, knowing that, you know, he's got the the stones to go for it. And, you know, maybe next time it, it works out for him. So I like it. Um, I understand people saying the money and all that, but uh, he was already secured in the playoffs. So it's not like it's going to cost him his card or anything. Yeah, for sure. I, I don't hate it either. I mean, maybe if you were five back or something and there was no chance, then, you know, you, you don't take that risk. But uh, from where I sit, you know, uh, I think he can can at least defend the decision that he made. You mentioned a lot of popular players missed the cut last week. Uh, you know, just tough to get six to six lineups here. The cut actually snuck to four under, uh, which left guys like Degala, um, Hoygaard, Adam Hadwin, Lucas Glover, Taylor Pendrith all missed the cut on the number. Cameron Young, Justin Thomas, um, see Joel Damon missed the cut by a couple of strokes. Uh, there were, you know, a few other guys. Sepp Straka was the most popular play on the board last week. He missed the cut by quite a few strokes. Austin Eckroat was a popular play. He missed the cut by quite a few strokes. Uh, my boy Ryan Fox had a pretty bad week. So uh, just a, a lot of carnage there. I was a 10-footer uh, on 18 from Taylor Pendrith away from having two 6-6 six six lineups. But uh, he missed it and, and, and missed the cut on the number. So 
no six to sixes for me, but I didn't have any Hodges anyway and, and wouldn't have taken down any big prizes. But yeah, any other takeaways from last week's event before we turn the page? Yeah, Doug Gim, true hero. I was going to write yes. you on Slack on Thursday and be like, yes. the Doug Gim experience is terrible. I'm never doing it again. And uh, I was just like, you know what? Maybe something crazy will happen. <laughs> uh, Five in the, a row. Uh, the RG Discord was going crazy. Uh, everyone thought after he birdied 17, he was just going to you know, hit it in the water on 18 and uh, you know, ruin our dreams. But, uh, yeah, he came through, and then he ended up shooting uh, another low round on, on Saturday. So, uh, yeah, we'll talk about him a little bit more later. But uh, I'm officially a fan. He won me over. So Doug Gim, he uh, who can't generally putt, uh, shot three over in the first round and was even par with five holes to play on Friday. Uh, remember, the cut came in at minus four. He was even par with five holes to play, and he made five straight birdies. Uh, that included a 64-foot birdie putt on, uh, on his 17th hole of the day, which was number eight. Uh, and then he birdied the last hole for good measure as well. <clears throat> and then started off Saturday, as you mentioned, really hot and actually got into the top 10 there at uh, one point for a little bit. Finished 27th, uh, but pretty remarkable. That's why I couldn't be mad at uh, Pendrith for missing the uh, the 11-footer that would have given me a 6-6 six six lineup because both of those teams also had Dung Gim. So uh, I think I probably would have been, uh, you know, the pot calling the kettle black if I would have been too upset about that. But, yeah, good week for my boy Doug Gim. Nice to see. And, uh, yeah, that pr pretty much does it for last week. We can go ahead and start uh, moving forward to this week. Mentioned it is the last event before the playoffs. Uh, but with the new format uh, this year, the top 70 is all that makes it through to the FedEx Cup playoffs starting next week. Uh, and I believe everyone from like 58 through 86 uh, is in the field this week. So, you know, you're going to see them uh, on the broadcast talking about the playoff bubble pretty much all weekend. Um, and, you know, you get some people that'll play the narrative angle this week. You know, we've kind of determined over the years that's maybe a little bit overblown. Uh, but uh, you got a lot of guys there that are on the playoff bubble uh, trying to sneak their way in this week. Uh, at uh, a course that's maybe a little bit different than what we see on the PGA Tour a lot these days, a shorter course uh, at Sedgefield. And uh, Noto, why don't you tell the people about the event this week? Yeah, and I kind of like the top 70 in ties. Normally we're talking about guys like Scott Piercy, uh, Bo Haas, or Joel Damon as guys that, you know, right on the bubble. And now we're talking about JT, Adam Scott, Shane Lowry. So a lot of big names have uh, something to play for this week, which is kind of fun. Uh, the event, you mentioned Sedgefield Country Club, par 70, just over 7,100 yards, Donald Ross design. Typically one of the easier courses. Um, it's always in the top half in terms of difficulty. Six of the last seven winners have been at least 20 under par, so you're going to have to make a lot of birdies here. And uh, you want to keep it in the fairway. Um, I saw Kenny Kim tweeted this today. The uh, average green regulation from the ref was like 50% at this event. From the fairway, it's over 80%, so you definitely want to keep it in the fairway. We've seen a lot of the uh, shorter ball striker types uh, play well here in the past. Russell Henley, Webb Simpson, uh, those types. And 90% uh, of approach shots going to be it from 100 to 225 yards. So not a lot of long approach shots, not a lot of really short approach shots. And that's pretty much it for me. I like the ball striking angle. Um, we've seen some bad putters play well here in the past. But uh, when everyone's hitting greens, you do want to make putts, um, generally speaking. I think that's going to be the case this week. Um, should be a lot of birdies. Should be uh, should be a fun event. 
All right. Uh, yeah, and you know, kind of a unique uh, tournament for you, you. Generally, see the par seventy courses uh, be the ones that maybe aren't uh, conducive to quite as much scoring, but uh, not necessarily the case here. Tom Kim is your defending champion. He was twenty under last year, um, but uh, he is injured right now, so he's not uh, defending his championship this week. Uh, but you had a couple guys at 15 under, a guy at 14 under, three guys at 13 under last year. So uh, it is a course that uh, that can be scorable. And if you've got those short irons and those wedges dialed in, uh, you can certainly give yourself plenty of birdie looks. All right, so let's go ahead and start breaking it down. Uh, maybe not quite. Uh, there's some depth to this field because basically all the middle tier guys are playing. Um, it's not quite as strong at the top as what we normally see with most of those, you know, secure top players uh, resting before the playoffs. We do have Sung J.M., Hideki Matsuyama, Russell Henley, and Sam Burns as your 10K plus golfers on DraftKings this week. Um, you know, I, I don't think any of them are a must. Um, I certainly think you can start in the 9Ks this week. I, I, Henley, I suppose, is my favorite. If I have to choose one, um, just a guy that, that fits this course well. Uh, you look at the, you know, he's ninth in the field in ball striking. Uh, if you're looking at last 50 rounds uh, and the last three years at this event, he's finished ninth, seventh, and fifth. So three straight top tens here. Uh, so I like Henley at the top, but I don't think you have to play anybody above 10K. What do you think about this range? Agree with everything you said. Uh, Mr. Gerg in the chat says he's confused why Henley is 10200 And uh, is he supposed to be more expensive or less expensive? I'm not sure uh, what he means by that. Um, he's going to be my favorite as well. You mentioned the course history. And he's coming off of a miscut at the Open, but we talked about it a bunch. He's really bad on Lynx courses and at the Open for whatever reason. And prior to that, he was just red hot with the irons. Always been a good uh, you know, accuracy guy off the tees. So, Henley is my favorite as well. Don't mind looking to Hideki. Uh, and Sungjae's course history scares me a little bit. Um, he's got three top tens in the last four years. But if you look at his numbers, the ball striking has just been so off. He's been missing a lot of cuts recently. So, yeah. And Burns just feels overpriced. So, it's pretty much Henley for me. But I like the idea of starting lineups uh, below as well. Yeah, just not a lot uh, to get excited about up here. I mean, a lot of these top-end guys, um, you know, maybe feel a little bit overpriced because the elite players aren't in this field. It is all relative, uh, but, uh, you know, you can make a balanced lineup that looks pretty good this week with all those mid-range guys uh, taking part. So let's go ahead and move into the 9K range. Uh, Adam Scott in danger of missing the playoffs. Shane Lowry in danger of missing the playoffs. Uh, you've got the rookie, Aberg, in here who uh, had a nice round, kind of like Doug Gim, to make the cut last week. Uh, he faded a bit on the weekend, though, uh, post and teen it up again this week. And ironically, after, you know, almost winning last week, he comes to an event where he did win four years ago, uh, finished 21st here last year, does have some missed cuts littered into his course history, but has shown some upside here in the past. Uh, so he's in the 9Ks along with the aforementioned Justin Thomas. We've got Siwoo Kim rounding out the range. Um, not as many golfers as you would kind of expect in the 9Ks, only, uh, only let's see, six. So we've only got basically 10 golfers above uh, at or above 9K this week. So that is going to throw ownership on those guys simply because there's not a lot of them 
uh, and you've got to, you know, you got to spend somewhere. So uh, your favorites in the nine Ks. Yeah. Don't love the range. You mentioned a lot of guys that are currently on the bubble, but uh, the form hasn't been the best. I mean, Adam Scott miscut T33 over overseas in the two, you know, Scottish in the open. JT's just been struggling mightily. Uh, he's 33rd in my model this week, which is not great. Um, that does come up a little bit. I think he was like 41st last week. So uh, he's improving somehow. He's trending. Um, and then JT Poston just feels like he's too expensive. I mean, he's priced with, you know, some really good golfers right here. So. I don't love anybody in the range. I, I don't mind Shane Lowry. I think he's a guy that uh, should play well here as long as the putter cooperates. Then I like Siwoo Kim, three top fives here in his last four starts. Um, he's coming off of back-to-back missed cuts, but uh, the ball striking has been very good over the last you know three or four months. So Siwoo is probably my favorite, but again, I don't feel great about any of them. I think a lot of people are going to start Henley and then go down to, to Denny McCarthy, who we'll talk about here in a minute. And uh, I think that combo is probably going to be uh, a bad decision in large field tournaments, just given the ownership. Yeah, I'm. I've tagged Poston, um, who's got basically in our early runs the same ownership uh, as McCarthy, which surprised me a little bit. But um, I'm not going to shy away from him this week. I just think you know, yeah, he is a bit overpriced, uh, and this is a little bit subjective. But for lack of a better term, I think he's a little pissed off at a how it finished last week and b everybody calling him out. We're not playing it safe. Uh, and we'll see what he does with that. I mean, it, you know, some guys that, yeah, it's a, still a T2, uh, still in pretty good form, has a win here in the past. Uh, maybe that uh, fuels him to, to kind of turn the Jets on this week. So I don't mind posting like you. I don't love a whole lot else in the rest of this range. Um, I think you can make a case for Aberg. You can make a case for Lowry. I said last week, I can't play Justin Thomas right now. And I'm still, I'm just not going to do that until it burns me once. Uh, there's just no reason to to play Justin Thomas at the moment. So not getting sucked in by the uh, the name factor, if you will, on uh, on JT until he at least gives us something to be optimistic about uh, more than, you know, jumping up five spots or whatever in, in Noto's model. Uh, he's got to show us a little bit more than that. So especially if he's still priced among the top 10. Um, yeah, so that's about it, I think, for the 8Ks. Um did you mention Siwoo at all? Any any interest in him? Yeah, yeah, he's my favorite play of the bunch, I think. All right, let's go ahead and move into the eight Ks. You mentioned McCarthy. Uh, looks like his model number is uh, is definitely popping for you this week. Uh, he's at eighty seven hundred and looking like the highest projected own golfer, uh, one of the highest in the field. Missed the cut here last year, but did have three straight top twenty fives prior to that. So your thoughts on McCarthy and uh, maybe some of the others in this upper 8K range. Yeah, pretty sure for the first time ever, a guy under 9K is number one in my model for the week. So it's hard not to play him at that price point. Uh, I think it's a great course fit for him as well. Talk about accuracy. His approach plays really turned around this year, and then he's probably the best putter in the field. Um, And yeah, prior to that miscut last year, he's been really good here. So I love McCarthy. Um, I'm throwing out the miscut at the open just because a lot of guys don't have a lot of experience uh, playing Lynx golf, and he was one of them. So uh, I like him quite a bit. I like Cam Davis at 8,800. He's been very hit or miss in his last 12 starts. He's got four top tens and five missed cuts, so very volatile, but at the same time makes a lot of birdies, and uh, he's two for two here with both top 25 finishes. I also like Steven Yeager, a guy that's a very good ball striker. 
So I could see building the lineup with, you know, four, three or four of these AK guys and feeling pretty good about it. Don't mind Aaron Rye. He's a guy that always pops in the models. Uh, and then Alex Smalley at 8,100. He's a member here. Um, so he's got the the home course angle. And he's gained he's gained over 20 strokes on approach in his last three U.S. starts. So throughout the one overseas. And uh, his iron plays great, home game, all that fun stuff. He'll probably be popular as well. Yeah, definitely. But uh, I think on a points per dollar basis, I mean, you can make the case with the the home game narrative, the way he's been playing all summer. He he, he was in the mix at the John Deere, um, you know, making plenty of birdies. Guy that's been super consistent since he came, got his PGA Tour card. I remember talking about him as a punt level play, you know, when he first came on, and uh, he's you know hung around and and become a really consistent guy. And at eighty one hundred, I think in this field, relatively speaking. Uh, doesn't doesn't necessarily feel overpriced. Um, I think Benny on is interesting also. You know, he's going to have to make enough putts. Uh, but he's been doing I mean, since he got his, his tour card back, it, it, obviously his, the, the putter is still poor. Um, you know, he's, let's see, let me, sir, let me filter by, let's just go 24 rounds, uh, see what he is in, in putting. I, I think he's in the he's still in the back half of the field here. Uh, yeah, you know, towards the bottom if you filter by a shorter time frame. But uh, sixth off the tee, 19th around the green, 18th in ball striking. So you know the tee to green game is going to be there. Um, he should be safely into the playoffs as well. So cool story with Benny on. I think he's fine in tournaments as well. You know, you can go for the, the no-putt guys. Uh, you got uh, Gary Woodland um, down here at 7,900 as well if you want to be tortured by that again. Uh, I don't think I can go there. Um, played some last week, and it just hasn't come together for him. Um, but other guys, you got Hadwin, Taylor Moore, Chris Kirk. I mean, guys that feel fine. I, I don't know if any of them stand out above the others. It's just Smalley, for sure, for me, uh, if I had to pick one. So anybody else in that uh, right around 8,000 range you like? Yeah, you mentioned Hadwin, and uh, Andrew in the chat was asking about him as well. Feels like a great Hadwin course. You know, he's one of those accuracy guys, pretty good irons, pretty good short game. T10 here in 2021, and he's coming off of back-to-back -back miscuts um, at pretty high ownership, if I remember correctly. So I think he's a good candidate for a bounce back. And then anytime you get Taylor Moore on Bermuda, uh, I think that makes a lot of sense as well. He's like top five in this build on strokes game per round on Bermuda courses over the last couple of years. All right, so let's go ahead and move down into the uh, the seven Ks. You're start going to start to see ownership spread out a little bit more. Uh, I had to laugh last week. I mean, last week was probably the first time uh, we even mentioned Billy Horschel on this show in like the last two months. And I looked there on you know Saturday, and he's up there by the lead. He did fade just a bit on Sunday and finished thirteenth. Uh, but now all of a sudden, Billy Horschel, who nobody's wanted to play at like. 7,000. I see he's like one of the only guys in the 7Ks with double digit ownership in the early projections at 10.6%. That's a big no thanks for me. Um, just a whole lot of uncertainty with a lot of these guys, but a lot of them are on that playoff bubble. Um, you know, Pendrith, who I talked about earlier, missed the cut on the number last week. Mark Hubbard had a, bad, a poor week last week. Uh, we just haven't seen a whole lot of form out of some of these guys, with the exception of. Obviously, Akshay won a few weeks ago. Uh, Norman's been playing well, and Eric Cole has probably been the most consistent of this group. So you got a few guys that are playing well, and then a lot of guys who are maybe 
super up and down like Horschel, um, Woodland, you know, uh, Hubbard's been a little more inconsistent lately. So what are your thoughts on this range? Yeah, I think you summed it up nicely with the inconsistency of the range. I do like Hubbard. Um, we talked about it last week. If he drives it well, it'll be fine. And uh, it didn't drive well, so I uh, missed the cut. And this is a less-than-driver course on a lot of the holes, so I do think that helps him a little bit. Um, good iron player. He's 3-for-3 three three here. Uh, also, like Eric Cole, who you mentioned, he's very similar to uh, Mark Hubbard, and then he's terrible off the tee. So hopefully the less-than-driver holes will keep him in it a little bit more this week. Outside of that, I don't love anyone. Um, yeah, Billy Horschel is interesting. You know, he's got great course history here. Coming off of the high finish. Don't but he do did, it. Don't did, do he, it. He lost strokes on approach last week and yeah, still finished it's, T13. It's total mirage. Total mirage. He's still lost. He's still lost. Um, I got to see if there's any – if there's like made cut, miscut odds that he's involved in this week, I got to see what those are. They might not be up yet but uh, because we're take, taping this on Monday. But uh, curiosity is going to kill the cat. Uh, yeah, I, don't yeah, see I think that is you up Tuesday. Yeah, yeah, I don't see him yet, but uh, you know, based on on last week, yeah, his odds to win are the same as Cole and English, and I mean, it might be like plus one fifty or something for him to miss the cut. Uh, if that happens, I'm writing I'm writing that one up this week. We'll see. Uh, <laughs> Got to wait for tomorrow. Uh, that's gonna be the first thing I check to see if that's out tomorrow, and I usually don't look at those a whole lot. All right, don't play Horschel. Um, moving on. I, I don't mind going back to Glover or Pendrith, two guys that barely missed last week. Svensson had a decent week. You know, you mentioned, um, Hubbard, uh, less than driver course. I, I think any of those guys basically at the same price, uh, would be fine. I think Garrick Higo is somewhat interesting. Uh, Hoygaard is another guy that just barely missed last week. Um, and then, you know, at, kind of there at 7,300 is where maybe it starts to, uh, to dip a little bit, but I think the guy that interests me the most uh, is Eckroat at 7,100, and everybody played him last week. So Eckroat was the value du jour last week. Uh, basically, was never really in the mix from the start. Uh, missed the cut by you know four or five strokes or something like that. But now Eckroat in a weak field is basically the same price, uh, slightly more expensive. And now instead of being like 15, 20% owned, he's going to be like 5% owned. So uh, I'm not going to let two rounds, you know, uh, talk me off of him. Uh, you get, of course, Gim, who we talked about at the top of the show here. But yeah, I, I like the zig when everybody zags approach with, with Ekrot this week. So he's kind of the guy I'll plant my flag on at, at 7,100. Uh, who are some guys you like in the bottom part of the 7Ks here? Yep, we got to make a new rule with that growth. If he's chalk, you can't play him. Yeah. Um, he this weekend, three tournaments ago, he was one of the highest owned golfers. Sorry, not this this week, last week and three weeks ago, and uh, wasn't even close to the cut. So uh, I, I'm fine getting back on him this week at five percent ownership, especially at that price point. Uh, very interesting to me. Uh, Brandon Todd always pops on these shorter courses for me. Seventy four hundred. Um, he's improved with his irons. He's got T uh, thirty six and T ten here the last two years. One of the more interesting plays for me is Adam Shank. So he's been on fire. He's finished T seven or better in four of his last seven starts. So a guy that's been in contention four times in seven starts, and yet you look at his course history here, and it is really bad. He's one for five with a T fifty one as his best finish. 
So what do you do with a guy like that that's not getting any ownership but has shown some upside recently? Yeah, I think it's interesting. I mean, another guy who tends to not play well uh, on links type of courses. So he got into the open this year, didn't play well. Uh, but uh, I, I don't hate it. I mean, to me, it's not necessarily alarming, you know, the smaller sample size for a guy like him. And there was a few years where he was really struggling to perform. And I know it's, you know, four missed cuts and five starts is definitely scary, but I'd play Shank before I played Horschel. I don't know what that says, but uh, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm a kind of a course history guy, so it does scare me a bit, but it, it, like it's the epic battle, right? Webb Simpson was the guy yeah. at this tournament, but now he can't, he can't, you know, play at all generally. And Shank has been playing pretty well, but has no course history to speak of whatsoever. And so if you took the two, opposite schools of thought would you rather play Webb or would you rather play shank uh, i don't know i think i'd take shank and i'm usually a course history guy so what about Webb or horschel i wouldn't play either but i'd play Webb <laughs> over horschel horschel is at the bottom of the list okay. this week give me dead, uh dead last find somebody you should probably bet him outright just in case davis love the third over billy horschel bet him bet him to miss the cut and bet him to win bet him to and win then... And then you'll be the, the, the T3 coming right up when I do that. But uh, yeah, we'll uh, we wait with bated breath on those odds. Um, and I will mock anybody who takes Horschel in the snake trap. <laughs> so, all right. Um, I've gotten a sidetracked. Anything else here above 7K? Gim is another guy that hasn't played well here in the past. But I, we are, I'm indebted to play Doug Gim after yep. he helped us out last week. So. Uh, should give him some confidence too. So, yeah, I'm in on Gim. Um, you mentioned the bad course history, but miscut on the number, miscut on the number, miscut by two strokes. So he's been close here. Wow. Um, I like Ben Griffin a little bit. He's been gaining with the irons. This is one of the few events that he actually played last year. Finished T4. Um, you know, he went on that big run in the spring, but uh, he's coming off of a T20. So I think he could parlay that into a nice finish. The model loves Andrew Putnam. Uh, anytime we get him on these shorter courses, Putnam and Brendan Todd seem to pop. So I'll play some of him at 7,200. And I think that's just about it. I won't be playing Ches Reeve. Um, he's been you know, pretty good recently, but he's almost dead last in the field in strokes gained on Bermuda for whatever reason. Uh, strokes gained total, that is. For whatever reason, he just doesn't play well on, on courses with Bermuda. All right. Uh, let's see. I think I've touched on everybody above 7K that I like. Let me scroll back down. I had to remove my filter there, searching for Adam Shank. All right. Uh, yeah, I think we've touched on everything above 7,000. Obviously, Eckroad I like. Uh, and then there's not quite as much to like in the 6Ks this week. Um Callum Taron has been in awful form, but he has popped like a couple random decent events. Uh, Peter Quest is, I'll probably keep playing a little sprinkle of him. Uh, he's been playing all right here the last month or two. Um, really solid for that kind of price. I think I'm off the Carson Young train at this point. Another miscut for him last week. Uh, so, yeah, not much I love under 7K with the exception of Quest. And I do worry about this course. A little bit for him. Obviously, he's a guy that's pretty long off the tee, but um, yeah, you dart throwing here as you get to you don't go crazy or single entry. You're not playing these guys, but multi entry GPPs, Quest, maybe some Dylan Wu 
Uh, but I don't like a whole lot under 7K this week. Anything uh, standing out to you? I was going to ask you about Dylan Wu. He uh, gained the most strokes putting of anyone uh, all year last week. So. Oh, wow. All, I had, did not see that. He, uh, yeah, it was Harmon for a whole week. Harmon had the record for one week, and then Dylan Wu gained like 11.7 or something last week. So let's week. see. Let's pull up. I had the... So round one. He gained 1.94 strokes putting. Round two, he gained 3.03 strokes putting. Round three, he gained 2.44 strokes putting. And round four, he gained 4.06 strokes putting for a whopping 11.46 strokes putting on the week. Uh, that's pretty good. 45th off the tee, 34th on approach. Uh, Not going to lie, that doesn't happen to my golfers. <laughs> I hit the negative eight. Because you play the nines. horrible putters all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um wow that's a big number i mean I, look he's 6900 or whatever it is so just not a whole lot down here like you're not gonna find a ton of great ball strikers down under six seven k this week one name that actually stands out and i uh, had to double check luke donald at 6300 stands out as like viable or surprised that he's still on the tour both everything's surprising uh yeah i probably won't be playing him but uh yeah play him over horschel there you go all right matchups there (laughs) okay i'm gonna have to see horschel's probably gonna be in like feature groups or something that'll give me something to sweat for the week anti-horschel bets uh will be the name of the game i just gotta figure out uh, which ones they are all right so let's go ahead and maybe try firing up a snake draft I believe I am on a three consecutive snake drafts cashed streak. Um, after going months without cashing at all, uh, it has been just uh, raining dollars in the snake drafts for me over the past month. Uh, I haven't taken down uh, like a lot of seconds. I can't remember. I think there might have been one that I won. Um, I'm trying to find last week's results in my history here and i'm having trouble scrolling through them but uh i want to give credit to the person that won especially if it was you know if i'm sitting here touting my second place finish and noto was the winner Um, i was not i didn't i didn't get anything back so i found it all right yeah you had a goose egg uh you finished last oh my you finished way last noto with an impressive uh mega impressive two guys making the cut. In the hey, same same with my main lineup. It might have been my same main lineup. Who knows? Well, you, you got off to a bad start because you had Champ, and then he withdrew. Uh, so wow. he was the automatic bench guy. But then, that's, uh, that's what it was. That was that's the, the only thing. Yeah. yeah. Woodland missed a cut. Uh, Hubbard missed a cut. Hadwin missed a cut. Hoygaard missed a cut. Uh, Norin, T13, and Stevens, T10. So both the guys you had that made the cut, finished top 15 uh but you were you were 90 points behind everybody else uh not the best week for noto um i actually got six guys through but uh six guys through the cut but none of them finished better than 25th uh which is also somewhat impressive and uh, tug rules just blows the competition out of the water in the snake draft last week uh, by about 60 points, but it was a rough week for uh, everybody. Not even a whole lot of upside, you know, with his team. He had CT Payne was dead, dead last of everybody that made the cut. Kucher was 43rd, Justin Sell was 43rd, Eric Cole was 30th. 
And then he did have a couple of top tens, but there was so much carnage last week that uh, the, the snake draft scores were pretty low. All right. Uh, there's, a, there's a $5 with three people out of 12. You think we could get ooh, nine of us? No, I don't, but we can try. <laughs> can try. If you want to play a snake draft, we'll try the $5 12 man. We haven't gotten a 12 man filled in like three months, maybe. Uh, we'll join it, and that'll get us up to like four or, or five, uh, maybe six. And we'll give that like two minutes. Uh, if it's not making any progress, we can go back and do the six-man. But uh, we'll see. Um, I'm in there. So if you're watching, uh, if you thought about joining the Snake Draft before but haven't, uh, and you have $5 in your DraftKings account that you want to uh, uh, you know, hop in, do so. Uh, if not, we'll uh, we'll go back to the six man. So we'll see. Still a five. We might we might be in trouble. All right. Well, maybe we'll do this. I'm gonna join the uh, I'm gonna join the six man and the twelve man at the same time. And that way, for those of you who aren't interested in, in our snake draft shenanigans, uh, if you want to bid us adieu for the week, feel free to do so. Uh, but uh, we do thank you for watching as usual. And uh, we'll be back with uh, keeping you covered for the FedEx Cup playoffs next week. Uh, that format's a little bit different. So we got to see how all those events uh, lay out. We usually don't do a show because they get to a small enough field uh, when, when they get to the tour championship. But uh, we'll play that by ear and uh, make sure we keep you covered one way or the other here at Roto Grinders. Uh, be sure to drop a thumbs up on the video, subscribe to the YouTube channel, and uh, we'll catch you. Back here next time around.